You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? It is Thursday, June the 23rd, 2022. You're listening to episode 109 of the Good Pop Culture Club. My name is Marvin Yue, and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American for one week left, just two. One more week. One more week. <laughs> what are you going to do after your early retirement? I'm going to travel a little bit and then I'm going to pick up like white lady hobbies like yoga and Pilates and like. Oh, <laughs> I'll join you on some of those. Yeah, I signed up to do like a half marathon, which everyone says what? is like. No, no, I'm not going to do I don't that. know why everyone's like acting like that's the craziest thing. Like it's only 13 miles. The, the pace mile time is 14 minutes, Han. You can walk that. You can legitimately oh, oh, walk that. I I could, although I do remember my fifth grade mile was a 1334. So that's still under 14. We're fine. That's, you know, of course, when I was weighing like 40 pounds lighter than I am now. I was lighter and faster then. I used to be able to run like a seven and a half minute mile. Holy fuck. Were you like a cross country bitch? I was. Yeah, I could tell. You I had was that a, energy. I was a I was a soccer player, and I still was not good with speed. Like, I mean, I can do you know. cross country at my high school was the sport that all the um all the Asian kids did because it was low effort, and you get to put it on, on your transcript. Wait, as an athlete. really? My in my school, it was all tennis. Like all the Asians did tennis. We did not have our school was not. We did not have tennis courts at my school when I. Oh there. yeah, no. Everyone was like Michael Chang, and then <laughs> um, and I was the of course the weirdo outlier. I just went to a school where every sport was the Asian sport. Well, yes, <laughs> that that would make sense. Even even, I mean, I guess not football, but our football team sucked so. Oh no! I was in Texas, so mm. our oh, team was very football good. is a way of laugh. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, what people told me was like, "We have a soccer team." <laughs> so I was like, "Yes, yep." Uh, anyway, that voice, of course, is our professional culture editor Han Win. Hey Han. Hey, hey, hey. We are at like we are fast approaching the end of June. Um, the heat wave, <sighs> the heat of summer, have started settling in. But this morning, uh, we were recording this on Wednesday morning. Um, Jess, you and I had some thunder in our area. Yeah, it was like intense, man. No lightning though, which is very unsettling. I have to say, like thunder without lightning is just like, what the fuck is going on? I mean, there probably was lightning or else there would be no thunder. It's not like a chicken and egg thing where like one or the other is the first. Thunder well, I always didn't falls see lightning. anything. I didn't see anything. Uh, and like some lady, some poor lady died. She oh, got hit man. by lightning. Mm. That sucks. Man, I just committed the ultimate podcast sin by talking about weather to start out yes. the show. I apologize to everybody. And then I quickly made it about death. <laughs> <laughs> Set game point. I don't know sports, guys. Don't make me do this. Well, um, on this episode, uh, we are talking about the, I guess, you can. is it the hit Netflix movie? Or it's... Um, yes. It, well, it's an international hit, and it's a hit for Netflix. So yeah, it has reached, um, I guess, Squid Game levels of notoriety. Uh, maybe not at that level yet, but it's definitely the yeah. film everyone is talking about. Um, the um, Indian um, Telugu, yeah, yeah. Tollywood film RRR, which um, Han and I watched at the Alamo Draft House this weekend. Um, Jess could not join us because she had 
uh, obligations in um, Vegas, I guess. It was last minute, yes. <laughs> but it was, yeah, I was really sad because this would have been mm-hmm. fantastic to watch with you guys. But I feel like yes. I also would have broken Marvin's arm. I would have put Han between me and you. Yeah, yeah. No, would've... I would have reached over. So for those of you who don't know, like every time I watch something with Marvin, I just end up punching him. To be it... fair, we end up watching very like stressful things together, Marvin, you and I. This is true. I mean, it doesn't even have to be stressful. I think you and I were hitting each other just for Top Guns. Okay, but like that's the only appropriate reaction for Top yes. Gun. Like, yes. come on. Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> man, we'll talk more about our Alamo experience with, with this film because it was it was pretty amazing. Um, did you guys get unlimited popcorn? Of, we did. Oh, that's I'm so happy for you guys. It was the perfect thing, though, just because we knew it was going to be a marathon. So in order to have like, <laughs> well, having incredibly comfortable seats and endless food is perfect. They, they have a good scam going there. <laughs> Yeah, they do. I spent like, I spent way too much money for that movie. Unlike Jess, who spent nothing. Oh, yeah. Anyways, um, before we get to that, though, let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through this week. Uh, Jess, what's popping? Okay, so as <laughs> Marvin, you previously mentioned, I ended up in Vegas and in the hotel room. And, you know, in the hotel room, you get live TV, which is a lot of people don't watch anymore but you get like the limited package live tv so like if you don't want to watch diner drives and dives which i really do mm. i love most of the time just wasn't feeling it right this weekend for some reason you didn't want to go and to flavor town i needed a little break from flavor town i needed something calmer you know <laughs> and 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 so you know the only other thing they really have on these tvs is sports and i'm not as i mentioned and again just earlier proven i'm not a sports gal but what is also considered sport is the Westminster Dog Show. Yep. And that was playing live. So it is usually, uh, and you're probably being like, Jess, what are you talking about? The dog show is always on Thanksgiving because I'm a totally normal person who follows the cadence of the dog show. Mm-hmm. So yes, it usually is in Madison Square Garden on Thanksgiving weekend, but they postponed this this year's uh, to do it outdoors because of COVID. And of course, you can't, do it in november in in new york city so they moved it to june to like upstate new york uh which they like terrytown must have paid a nice the terrytown tourism board must have paid a nice ass penny because i was getting a lot of like terrytown um propaganda and like tourists like commercials about what a wonderful place this is like oh like i kind of do want to visit now but anyways the real the real stars of the show are the dogs i'm gonna be real i know absolutely nothing about dogs shows i am like the biggest whore when it comes to dogs you could show me the ugliest dog in the world and i'd be like that's a fucking mm-hmm. cute ass dog mm-hmm. i do not care i love all dogs so then you're just seeing all these dogs they're all fucking cute so i guess how it works is there's like three days of competition too and i've been watching it like stream live so basically you win best of breed and then from the breed, you have to win best of your category. And then from the category, you get to enter best in show. And then they crown the ultimate champion. Um, I have no idea what breed is in what group. I just know it's <laughs> cute boy, fluffy boy, long hair, cute boy. Um, like there's a hound group. There's a toy group. There's a terrier group, which is really fun because Chowder's part terrier. Um, there's a hunt. There's a working group. I don't. I honestly don't fucking know. I just think they were cute, 
they're really cute and some of them have really cute names. Yes. Yeah. I yeah, I'm I'm about the level of understanding as you are when it comes to this and it it's just I'm equal opportunity dog also. Um <laughs> but I also just love the best in show because you then you have the toy group going up against like the big hulking group whatever that one is. Yeah. And it's just just it's just the the best of the best. <laughs> it's also really funny cuz like I, was, I mean I was watching with like a group of somewhat drunk women so it's like really just like ah like oh my god it's like no commentary no thoughts no critical mm-hmm. thought between mm-hmm. us not one critical thought just oh my god it's so cute it's like i've never seen that dog before that's so cute mm-hmm. and then you get little fun facts and i'm not gonna lie this is the one sport where like the commentary is fantastic it's so entertaining because these and and like you get like these older people like just wearing really fancy gear like running around with dogs and then you have people like weird fancy like a lot of bow ties uh fancy dressed humans like talking about these fancy humans running around with these fancy dogs and then like my favorite is you have to check the dog's teeth so they always put the dog on like this mount and then it got (laughs) the dog's just like what i mean they're all bred to be like very temperament temperate right like they don't mind because if i try to do the chatter he'd be like what the fuck are you doing yeah, they're trained to be handled in whatever way. Yeah, so they're just kind of like sitting there, kind of zoinked out, vibing. Like the dot, like the the judges are like feeling them up, and I'm just like, oh. And then they have to like do the little walk. And again, mm-hmm. I cannot tell. Just like, what the fuck is a gate? Like, is there a <laughs> wrong way for a dog to walk? I guess so. I don't know. And then they like point, and like I'm just like, ooh. And then like the fans are like legit going wild. So. <laughs> In, so depending on what stream you watch, if you're not watching like the full live stream, like the one that's broadcast on the major station, um, they have a bunch of like, like behind the scenes, like no commentary cameras, right? They're just, you're just you can just watch the competition, and there are like people going crazy in the crowds. They're just like, mm-hmm. wow, yeah, <laughs> like, like really excited about this Pumi, which I learned is a Hungarian dog. Didn't know this bred breed existed before. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, do I, you know, believe in purebred dogs? No, not really. I think it's kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. But like, go get yourself a free dog from the street. They are just as valid and loving. And, you know, I think all dogs have their own personalities. And uh, but you know what? Of all the sports there are to sport watch. This is really up there. I love dogs. Highly recommend. What I do like is when they do announce the winner, then the dog usually celebrates. So that's kind of cool because the dog knows how to be happy. <laughs> it's really cute, though, because like after they do their like um, they do their event, like the dogs are always like, OK, where's my treat? Yep. Like after they're like done working, it's like I did it. OK, <laughs> like I was a good boy. Where's my treat? Amazing. All right. I would recommend Han, what's popping with you? All right. Even though I watch plenty of TV, I might save that. We can I can talk about another week because it is ongoing TV. So maybe people can catch up too. But what I want to talk about were uh, a duo of uh, YA rom-coms I read recently. And the reason why I'm kind of pairing them up is they both have to do with boy bands. And... Um, not having ever been a boy band person, including K-pop boy bands, it definitely helped my understanding <laughs> a little bit better. Like, you know, being in an entertainment reporter, I've definitely like 
learned some stuff, but definitely uh, one of them helped. I don't know. Anyway, made me think about some things that and used like some lingo that I didn't know previously. So the first one is called Once Upon a K-Prom um, by Cat Show. And it's about a, uh, a couple of friends, a girl and a guy who were friends in childhood, he eventually had to, uh, Robbie had to move back to Korea uh, when he was about 10 years old. And then when he was there, he, you know, became a trainee, went through the trainee program, became a boy band member. And now he's like in the hottest, biggest boy band, uh, K-pop boy band um, in the world. And um, he goes back to his hometown and I don't know, Chicago, one of those cities, uh, and uh, and makes good on his promise, his pinky promise to take her to prom. Um, thing is, though, Elena is actually super unpopular. So this is a very, in some ways, a typical high school story where it's like um, the wish fulfillment of a famous person um, and a regular person finding romance but because they also are friends and they have a history that kind of changes it up um also i li- i listened to this also as an audiobook and one of the nice things about it is at the beginning of several of these chapters they go over each of the boy band members and you know how just you were kind of like filling us in on like so with the the name of the person, the singer, also has a nickname. That yes, you yeah, have multiple yeah. names. So it's so they go through the nickname. They go through the position in the band. Um, they go through their lights, glow stick color. They go through their favorite number, <laughs> and just mm, like all yes. the stats that fans would lo- want and need, right? And it was just great. Um, apparently, there are roles. Some of them were in English. Some of them were in Korean. One of them was like the visual so it was the boy band member known for being the the best looking one who was like sort of the face of the boy band yeah like mr worldwide handsome it's a thing okay so yeah all these things i did not know i of course knew a little bit of like korean language from you know the uh, the k-dramas um so if they're calling you know they call each other young you know like older brother whatever um but that was cool uh and it just it gave me a lot more insight into like between this and watching the Blackpink documentary. <laughs> I think I learned a little bit more about the trainee program and some of these sacrifices and like the stuff they go through in order to be this good. Um, a lot of respect for that. Um, the other one, and it's a very cute story, uh, very high school. Um, the other one I read is called If This Gets Out, and it is written by Sophie Gonzalez, who has written a lot of queer YA that I've read before. Um, and oh, yeah, this is a collaboration with another author named Kale Dietrich. So this one is about an American boy band called Saturday. Um, and the difference is, is that one of them is gay and closeted. And the other guy starts having a crush and he realizes, oh, I might be bi. And so the title, if this gets out, clearly something goes on between them and it would be the ultimate sort of boy band scandal, whatever. Um, if So the, it goes through the whole process of how boy bands and management companies um, try to protect their image, Uh Artists versus, you know, like there's a lot of integrity talk. It's it's actually kind of interesting. I, I like this one, I think, more just because it 
had a maybe a more cynical view <laughs> of the world and like and business and music. So I, I found it very interesting. Um, there is they tried to make it a multicultural sort of thing. So uh, the lead boy band member is like half black. There's another boy band member who's, I think, Vietnamese. Uh, he's also a womanizer. <laughs> so uh, there's just some tracks. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, it, it's really high drama, but it was enjoyable. And and I think it, it kind of at least didn't speak down to people. I think it was less rosy. Of course, at the end, you know, it's a rom-com. So there's going to be some sort of happy ending. But um, yeah, I, I found it very interesting. Um, the things that especially when compared to the K-pop boy band one about like what things you, they can control and not. And it's very different. <laughs> so um, yeah, the the concept of freedoms over here and um, what they can get away with is way different. So highly recommend. Yeah. How are we feeling about the whole uh, BTS splitting up thing? You know me, like that's not my thing. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I was like, mm, first time. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it's fine. There, it happens all the time. They're actually very lucky they didn't get a hiatus earlier, like or yeah. like a break. It's it's pretty. It's actually very standard to like take some time off between albums yeah. or like phases. Um, I do feel like. I think I think there's also been discussion about how basically like BTS has just been put through the grinder for the last three yes. years, like to capitalize on their rising popularity in the wake of like everyone needing outlet for COVID during COVID. Mm. So they, you know, the boys deserve a break. And I think they're also like they're like, we don't want to sing dynamite anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they like utter trash. And we're like, yeah, it is. It's fun. You guys do it well, but they're like, Yeah, that's not our music. Absolutely. They put in their time. <laughs> like like when you think about how prevalent they were during the last three years uh to the point where like even people who like me who don't follow them or like fans it it's they've been everywhere so i yeah. mean they did represent asian americans at the white house recently yes <laughs> yep yep yeah thank you uh from only respect for my president rm namjoon <laughs> yeah i mean they're they're like their soft power is insane and then you know, they, they, they earn the right to kind of just chill out and do whatever they want, make their own music, not have to like, it's not even a hiatus, there's no making music. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, when people were freaking out and they're like, oh, there was a translation problem. I was like, yeah, you maybe needed to have like thought of a different or, way. Or they don't like people like truly, I forget because my beat, my, my, my Uber driver this weekend was like, like this white dude from Reno and he worked at the Allegiant Stadium. So he's like, yeah, I saw like all four BTS shows. And he's like, I gotta admit, like they're pretty entertaining. But like he just really didn't understand like the context of like this K-pop mega group and like what a hiatus is and like <laughs> and like how much they do not need to come to America. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He's like, he's like, yo, they made so much money from America. I was like, no, no, no. America made a lot of money from BTS. Yeah. I think it was like what the econ how much money do they bring into the LA economy when they did their tour? Don't they, yeah. Like Olympics level. Yeah. They, they, they don't they, gotta build anything. They injected so much for sure. Stimulated yeah. the economy, BTS. Mm-hmm. That so, would <laughs> for and it's like it's not even a hiatus because of scandal. Like some of the hiatuses I went through were like breakups or because of like really bad scandals. That was mm-hmm. that's a lot harder. So yeah, this is very relatable. It's just fine. like it's gonna we be tired. Fine. Yeah, we've done. Yeah. It's been nonstop, seriously. So, 
Oh, we tired. Exactly. <laughs> Let them rest. All right, Marvin, what's popping with you? Um, yeah, it's been a very good week for watching South Asians on my screens. Um, <laughs> so, Han, you, you talked about Ms. Marvel last week. Um, mm-hmm. I finally caught up to, I guess I just watched the third episode today before mm-hmm. we, re- we recorded. And man, that show is a lot of fun. You're right. It's the so vibes good. are so good. It's very teen comedy. The main character, um, Kamala, is just a ball of energy. She reminds me of like my geeky, like, good friends back in the day it's such a good um contrast to like the teenage dirtbag played by matrey in um never have ever davy <laughs> such a good show so pure and entertaining so. yeah i mean she's definitely <sighs> a very relatable character um, as like a former geek i mean former i'm still a geek geek geekdom is yeah. for life um but um i am getting a little concerned because in this third episode um, the MCU starts creeping in oh, to no. the story, and it's a little frustrating because I'm having so much fun with Miss Marvel, but I get the feeling, I get you know the the tinglys, right, the spider sense that as we get more wrapped up into the MCU as a whole, that's going to take over this show, and and I'm afraid that the tone's going to get lost a little bit, you know. Yeah, I I, I part of me just would rather they not because we already know she's going to be in the Marvels. So like who needs an extra, like why don't you just <laughs> for those extra scenes, just have fun. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I just feel like, yeah, I feel like until I, we get proven wrong, until we see someone do this right, I'm just going to assume the back half of this series is going to get pretty up its own butt with its yeah. mythology, which I think I feel more apprehensive because of the potential for Orientalism when it comes to, south asian asian tropes right because well i mean the nice thing is it does feel like a lot of the creative um team is south asian of south asian descent diaspora and or in some way you know so it so far it feels pretty good to me in that regard uh and and well balanced but of course yes you're right like (laughs) maybe the deeper we get into mythology the 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 yeah i mean the way it gets handled right because you know we kind of saw the same thing with moon knight which got really deep into the egyptian i mean it started out it started out kind of rough Uh, (laughs) and then yeah no way because so far it's been just an unapologetically south asian celebrating show right there's like the characters have arguments about what the best Shah Rukh Khan film is. There's like mm-hmm. a dance scene. This third episode has a wedding scene, like an Indian wedding scene. So like a lot of really great stuff. And I just, I hope, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it maintains this tone and this kind of um, vibe throughout. But, you know, we're getting, it's getting serious now, right? Quote unquote. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I actually have to catch up on the third episode. So we yeah. shall see. Protect Miss Marvel at all costs. Yeah. I also still need to catch up with the end of Obi-Wan. And I have, I have no idea how that oh, ends. Yeah. I, I reluctantly will put it on sometime. <laughs> <laughs> um, but your boy was back in last week's episode, Jess. Mm-hmm. I saw Hayden that. Christensen, full DH CGI. I'm not ready yet to like <laughs> my process f- this. Like it's it's my it's, friend. It's who, been a long time, guys. Yeah. My friend who is also very much into Hayden Christensen uh, is a re- fellow reporter. And so she got to interview him and just her face while she's talking to him because it's a split screen Zoom. Uh, I was just like, oh, oh, darling, <laughs> like, I'm so happy for you. But also, you know, it's like you could tell she was really feeling it. All right. Well, that's what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're starting revolution with RRR. <laughs> Stick around. 
co-host the podcast Asians in Baseball alongside Naomi Ko and Scott Okamoto. Asians in Baseball is exactly what it sounds like, a podcast about the Asian and Asian Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Americans in Major League Baseball. Every week, we break down the highlights of what's going on with Asians in baseball and then take a deeper dive into the Asian and Asian Americans past and present who have shaped baseball as it is today. Whether you're Kim Ang's number one fan or you've never even heard of Hideo Nomo, we've got something for everyone, especially for the Shohei Otani stands. Maybe too much for the Shohei Otani stands. Listen to Asians in baseball wherever you get podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about RRR, a 2022 Indian Telugu language epic action drama directed by S.S. Rajamuli and starring N.T. Rama Rao Jr. and Ram Charan. Um, it is a it is a film. <laughs> it, is an it is a film. It's that's the that's. That's such an understatement, Marvin. <laughs> it's it's more of an experience. It yes. is. You will watch this and become forever changed is what it is. Um, uh, the story is a fictional origin story about two real-life Indian revolutionaries and their fight against British oppression during the British Raj um, era of colonialism, I guess. Um, it is a balls-to-the-wall three hours of just escalating <laughs> action escalating just escalating okay, constant wait, escalation it's three hours but it feels like they've crammed seven hours worth of content <laughs> into the three hours just to be clear yes yes uh it, this does not mean it's boring when we say no. it feels like it's seven hours but it's it's because it's packed super oh, yes. packed <laughs> yes this movie gets my uh just juice seal of approval deserves to be more than 90 minutes badge <laughs> um, because they made that additional 90 minutes incredibly the entire thing is incredibly entertaining <laughs> not a not a slow moment um, yeah. but there were several points where I like had to pause to like you know go <laughs> use the restroom eat take care of the dog and then I'll be like how's there still 140 minutes like, how's there still an hour and 40 minutes left this movie so much has happened already it was definitely an experience. Um, the film right now is screening on Netflix. Um, in it's the dub version, right? It's Hindi in on Netflix. Yeah, on Netflix is the Hindi version. Yeah, and then oh, can... I was watching a dub version. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, I feel so light. <laughs> Han and I watched this film in the original Telugu language um, at the Alamo Draft House um, in a pretty. I'd say it was a pretty packed house, right? Yeah, it was all the way. I mean. Alamo Draft House is not a huge theater because they put in those really swank seats, yeah. those reclining seats. But it was all full, from what I could tell. And like, people were having cool. a good time. And I'm pretty sure most of our theater fellow theater goers were white people. Yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised that I didn't see more other people. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but they all seemed to get it, which is great. Um, I think it started off awkward. But this film, okay. Let's just <laughs> let's just start from the beginning. We're going to this is going to be a full spoiler cast. And don't worry um, if you haven't watched the film yet. Us explaining what happens in the film will just make you want to watch it more because I think that's kind of what happened to me. And yeah, so because you, this, it's really the experience. Yeah, because this film is not really about the plot. The plot is just a device to get you to the next um, set piece, uh, which this is a film, again, about escalating set pieces. So, yeah. So if you do care about not being spoiled about what happens, um, you know, 
I would say go watch a cold too because part of the joy of this film is just being surprised at what they do next. And um, yeah, definitely worth watching for the first time. I wish, much like everything ever all at once, I wish I would be able to um, selectively erase my memory so I can go back and experience this again for the first time. I'm just trying to recommend it to people so I can experience <laughs> it vicariously through them again. Yeah. Yes. Um, but okay, starting off, what did we think of RRR? Like from the opening the like i didn't have much background on what this movie was i didn't realize they were like real based off real people like real historical figures but like you get this like huge block of text at the very first <laughs> shot right it's just like okay this is like based off real people but nothing's real and it's fake we're like making things up which i like that they put in the beginning because a lot of american movies do not do that Right. Two disclaimers. How Two many disclaimers. Pe- how many people actually think in uh, Abraham Lincoln hunted vampires, right? Well, that was the comp I kept thinking. I was like, oh my God, this is their Abraham Lincoln. Like, is that this their version of it? And why is it so much better? <laughs> because Abraham Lincoln, because, you know, it's a ridiculous, silly movie. Um, the CGI, I mean, even like the, I think the title card for one of the companies, like the ridiculous CGI like effects, were like, "Oh, we getting some good CG, we getting some CGI in this movie." <laughs> um, but like through this terrible ridiculousness, or, or wonderful ridiculousness, I should say, not terrible. I meant to say awesome, and you know, I mean, let's. I think I can confidently say that it's not, it's not a good movie, but it's a good movie. It's like, is this a movie that will like make me think about life or whatever? Not but, really. But that's the thing. Like, I think you also have to shift your mindset because this is Tollywood. And I think it you know, it there was this there's this heightened level of performance that reminds me of like K dramas or mm-hmm. and, and there's this like kind of like I think Americans are so like American film is so literal. Literal and so like so like <laughs> stuck on this thing that things have to be real but at like the same time or realistic like, yeah what? but but at the same time like uh but at the same time Gita Jackson from Vice wrote that is the premise of this film so much crazier than John Travolta and Nick Cage changing faces to go undercover no it's no. not but that's also <laughs> Ang Lee like that is also mm-hmm. an Asian filmmaker not John an Wu. American filmmaker John Wu. sorry um John Woo and I I, I feel like you know, it's so ridiculous and so entertaining, but at the core of it, there was like this very like revolutionary sentiment mm-hmm. of like, oh wow, like we talking about like oppression and like community and family and friendship. And I thought that was, and like and like really the only way that people were able to see is like there's no hero, right? There's a hero, but they they're like everyone relies on someone to help them. And you know, you could see in these big shots where there's just immense amount of people like these crowd shots i'm just like how do you direct a crowd shot this big because yeah. i don't think they're cgiing the people yeah yeah no and some it's... of that shit looks dangerous <laughs> so i mean we can probably go into the premise because i think that sort of folds into like my ideas of how i related to these characters but i i will say my general feelings about this is um 
everything was extra in a way that I really appreciated. Um, definitely, it takes at least 45 minutes, maybe an hour to get to the main titles. Um, and and then the main titles themselves feels like a music video for for karaoke, perhaps, where the lyrics not just tell you the premise, but also sets up foreshadowing. Oh, this was and, musical theater for sure. This was yeah, this was theater. <laughs> it was so great um, romance. But so basically, we get uh, Ramchan playing um, Rama Raju. Rama Raju. So uh, when we meet him, he's an officer with the British, and and. They're trying to hold With back just a, the fasciest mustache. Oh my god, ridiculous! But um, and they're trying to beat back, you know, a bunch of his countrymen, basically. So, and you literally see him being like super cop, beating them down, and you're just like very confused because you're like, he's not my Wait, hero. This is our hero, right? Right? Yeah. Like this this guy who's yeah. aligning himself with the white oppressors, da da da. But it's also bad. He's, why he's, hot? Yeah, exactly. But also beautiful. Oh, he's a beautiful he's so like. <laughs> they oh really knew how to focus on his eyelashes. So anyway, um, so it was just a very confused moment when the action scene also amazing action. Uh, yes. They know kinetically the the choreography. It just when you talk about the crowd scenes, you're just like, how in the hell did they do this? And it and it is. You have a visceral reaction. Part of it is like wincing, but part of it is laughing. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I mean, he jumps over a fence. And like, so I don't have a lot of experience with South Asian cinema, not Bollywood yeah. or Tollywood. Uh, mm-hmm. But this definitely gave me the same kind of feelings as watching like a Chinese wuxia scene. Yes. Right? Yeah, exactly. That It set the tone for me about like how over the top. I can at least base level set my expectations. <laughs> they were exceeded, of course, but that was a good like introduction to like, wait, something's going on here. And then so when by the time you meet the second hero, um, who is what's his name? Beam. Uh, Beam. We see him from the back and he's basically like in a loincloth, but he's buff as hell and he's in a forest and he's pouring blood down his face yes and, that was also great and then he starts also re- very attractive right and, and then he starts like you know there's a whole sequence where cgi uh uh jungle animals are uh chasing him and then no, he finally no, wrestles. which Hold i did you're not missing, mind you're missing this you're missing this a wolf and a tiger, tiger chasing him. And then he jumps in between and makes them crash into yeah. each other to defeat both of them. Yeah. And I do have to say the over the top action, including the CGI animals, kind of sets up not just like that over the top sort of uh, feeling, but also the sort of sense that these are mythologically like gigantic personalities yeah so that's where you can like you set your expectations when it comes to your uh the um suspension of disbelief so it's from there on but then they it turns out you know that they're sort of like uh opposing forces but they don't know that and so they become bros yeah. it's 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 a bromance the, yeah the first half of this film and just be clear <laughs> this film is two three or three films put together this film is definitely and two films prequel, put together. And a prequel. <laughs> and a prequel shoved in the middle. And a prequel shoved in the middle, which is, I love the prequel. <laughs> because I it was also like a sepia tone. <laughs> it was like, great. What's going on? Absolutely love it. Anyway, yeah, so yes. The first half is like this Infernal Affairs type of 
film where it's like two people on opposite sides trying to suss each other out, except they're both best friends. Except yeah. you negate the entire montage where they're just being best friends and broing out and frol- literally frolicking. 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 Like, they are so stealing. Cute. They are stealing fruit together and they're running s- away. They're trying to steal a goat. They get chased off by a child. They're just working out together. They're, they they're- are literally, oh, one is riding a motorcycle. The mm-hmm. other one's riding a horse. Yeah, and as bros do. As bros, um, Marvin, how come we have never rode, ridden a motorcycle <laughs> and a horse simultaneously? I don't Who think either of us have ridden a either a motorcycle or a horse. I have ridden, I've ridden in fact, a motorcycle and a horse. Oh, so this you Just and Han my- should have this. Yeah, bromance I'll do the horse. together. Okay, yeah, okay. I'll do the horse. Um, um, but yeah, so right. there's that bromance, but also the well, we should t- at some point well, talk, <laughs> highlight up that bromance. Yeah, yeah, like. Let's. We're just. This is gonna. This is just gonna be a podcast of just us talking about. Remember that time when <laughs> they rescue a child that was trapped in a burning river by jumping off a bridge together, and then can, it ends with a bro class. Explain the plan to me. Like I do not. I truly do not understand how that was more efficient or like sensical than just because they uh, they assume that they have to swim past the fire to get out. Like they swim, right? So like, but well, we don't actually see the rescue. Um, Jess, I think you're like, thinking too hard about. I am thinking this. too hard, you, but like, just the, think about how, how awesome it was when they jumped the, off the, the bridge class, together. The bro class, the cute. That's their yeah. meat cute, by the way. They the bro class a burning, that yes. goes in. Is, that's what goes into the late title card, right? Is the bro also, class <laughs> also wrapped in the flag that saves him from the fire? Um, the the pre-colonial Indian flag, I believe it is. So yeah. There's a lot <laughs> oh, going is on. Is what it is? There's a so lot I going on. I missed a lot of context because I'm an idiot um, and I'm not the well most well-versed in this section of history. So I know I missed a shit ton of things. Um, yeah. But, yes. <laughs> I think the way that this film has been explained to me is it's pretty much the equivalent of like a super pro-America like 80s action film. Like it's just yes. very like pro-nationalism, I mean, I think it's more palatable because the enemy of nationalism here is colonialism, which I think makes it a lot more palatable in in my like yes. aesthetics. Even though I'm sure there's some like gnarly Basically, stuff we're there. Too, under- we are all too dumb to know to be mad. <laughs> um, but I mean, I gotta say, like, I fucking love the absolute cartoonish levels of evil that the British villains are mm-hmm. some of I think the best writing whoever wrote this I think he wrote he wrote the script as well right the yeah director? I mean much like Face Off was like the combination of Nick Cage um, John Travolta and John Woo I think this film is also like the combination of like three very very popular people in the um I guess Tollywood scene and that's why the film is called RRR it's not even it doesn't even mean anything it's just the three of their names have R in it so they call it RRR no it means fire water <laughs> and then I forgot what the last one was Interval. yeah depending depending on where you go sometimes they say it's like roar rubber repeat I, whatever it is they there's a, all different titles for it so uh, um, okay but like the the, the 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 I was hooked on this movie when uh, you know, the evil governor guy comes out and is like giving that whole speech about how this bullet is worth <laughs> one pound sterling. It's yes. not it's like they're like these 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 Indian people aren't even worth shooting. Like, wow, that is fucking evil. There's some really, really great action lines in this movie. Just like those one line zingers that, yes, we used to get in those 80s movies. But again, mm-hmm. it's a it's it's a lot more fun when the 
enemy is the British Empire? <laughs> yes. I, I, oh, that was one thing watching in an audience of mainly white people. I was like, I wonder how they feel. But also most of them were American and they're probably able I mean, to separate the, their feelings from the British. You know, I mean, the British way. was also the colonial enemy of the colonial states. So I'm sure there was, right. there's some right. solidarity right. there. Um, I did see a fun fact that the evil wife um, of the evil British man also played a Nazi wife in an Indiana Jones movie. Oh, that's why she looked familiar. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. She was bad in a good way. Yeah. All well, the white actors were pretty terrible, but in yeah. a funny way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were just campy enough. Um, just, no, they were over campy. They were like yeah. camp to the extreme. Why isn't he bleeding? <laughs> yes. Uh so anyway, yes, I, I think for me, the unexpected, even though I heard about it, of course, but a uh, highlight of the bromance is actually when Beam kind of has a, a a crush on this colonial white lady um, who is supposed to She's one of the good ones because she's, she's nice yeah, to people. Yeah, she's nice to people. So whatever. <laughs> um, and... Uh, so he, he, you know, Beam somehow gets invited to a party, but at this party, some some Brit gets really angry at these, you know, Indians who have like infiltrated this party. So he's like insults their movements, challenges so, them to a dance off. So much. well, yeah. So he does some interesting moves, you know, and then they're like, "Oh, wait a second. And so then it's on, and. I just need to watch this movie again just for that part. There was a the really dance sequence is amazing. There was a really quick um, cut when the British man talks about how he's the master of swing, and it cuts to a black man rolling his eyes. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, wow. I remember uh, that in the theater because I was like, "Why do we have a black man here? Is is he going to play a part somehow?" And then yeah, so there's that uh, when Rama takes over the drums. And the, like what like what's going on here? And then it's the dance off, and the dance off is fucking fantastic. Also, so, they're both wearing my favorite outfit, uh, which is the 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 open shirt with the uh, suspenders <laughs> and it's, the it's Great Depression look. It's the party yeah, time it's, look. It's, it's, it's the nineteen twenties. Yeah, yeah, it's the nineteen twenties. And so th- they, of course, incorporate the suspenders in with the dance, which is very good. Um, it's so kinetic, but also just fun, like really fun. And I that was where where I was super happy being in the audience because I was like, I wonder what everyone just else was thinking. <laughs> I remember seeing this dance scene circulate social media when I guess when this film first came out, uh-huh. and so when I saw that, I was like. I'm feeling deja vu. No, I've seen this before online. Oh, I'm I'm so glad I didn't. Like I try to avoid all the memes. Like I I had to read my um my writer's story about it, but mm. I knew the description wouldn't do anything, you know, to spoil me really. <laughs> so uh yeah, it was fucking fantastic. Um I, I kinda I do wanna like bring another friend and make them watch this with me. I mean it's a it's a big commitment to put it this is. movie on and it expect is. people to I mean people sit through a 3 hour Marvel movie. I feel like this this film this is, way better is than what the Marvel you want. Movie. Yeah, because it's just yeah. it's it's Marvel movies I feel like still try to have some subtlety in it uh, to varying yeah. degrees of success. This film decides you know what fuck subtlety. Again, much like everything ever all at once. Let's just go maximum everything. Like, yeah, I might yes. I might try to tell my mom to watch this because she likes melodrama too. So uh, she doesn't like subtlety. 
this film is perfect for like <laughs> your for your for your older Asian relatives who just want to see cool shit happen on screen. Yes, yes. Yeah, actually, not too much dialogue, right? A lot of it is like right. facial acting or like movement. Um, like, yes, it's 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 very I melodramatic. Beam, I just want to beam and Rama to kiss. They did want them to kiss. They they were so in love with each other. It was very sweet. I mean, that's a true romance. The 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 white lady and the other the lady from the hometown. It's kind of like cousin. yeah, they're right there. They're whatever. barely there. I feel like yeah, you know yeah. this film does it pass the Bechdel test? No, not even close. It's not. They don't mean. Were there any? scenes with where two girls talk to each other i don't think so um oh yeah no, no. But- <laughs> we we knew from the very beginning the opening scene that this is not a movie about women yeah yes it's also like i'm not gonna lie it's really funny but you know again these are this is melodrama right so the motivations are very like everything's very broad it's played broadly like the motivations are very clear to understand beam wants to save this child uh, Rama wants to pro- honor his father's promise, and we should go back to talk about dad later. <laughs> yes, because uh, we get a whole fucking prequel movie in the middle of this movie, <laughs> which is fantastic. Origin but, story, yeah, but, but you know, it's so broad. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, so the first film in this multi-film movie is about this burgeoning friendship between two enemies. Right, you have the cop and the guy who's. Um, trying to kill the governor because yeah. the governor has stole has stolen a child. Right, you have the cop and you have Liam Neeson from Taken. Right, those are the yes. those are the two archetypes. And then they decide that they they love each other, but then they can't forsake their missions, which is one to serve the crown and one to save this child, which culminates in an assault during a party at the governor's mansion, where um, <laughs> you have that just amazing shot, slow motion shot of Beam jumping through the crowd, surrounded by the, all the animals that he has captured to attack this party. He's reluctantly captured. He does apologize to the tiger when he captures him. Of course, because he's and a good there boy. Is a, and there's a, there's a Chekhov's <laughs> meat loin. They feed, they're feeding the tigers, uh, so we knew they are going to come back. I, I audibly laughed out loud during this scene when <laughs> yes. all their throats were just being ripped out. I was like, <laughs> and then, like, you know... They're wild animals. They don't know who they're attacking. So sometimes they attack Beam and Beam just takes a jaguar and like throws it at a British officer several times. Not once. Several times. I was definitely cackling too. And I mean, this scene was... So before this scene, there hasn't really been any deaths, right? Like that scene where um, Rama is beating the crap out of all the um, revolting peasants. He doesn't actually kill anybody. He breaks arms and like... Incapacity well, people, the guy, like, but there's smashes no, his head open. But there's no like explicit death. Yes, and I kind of love that the only like explicit violent deaths in this film are all the British colonial like soldiers. That we see on screen, yeah, that we see on screen. I mean, I mean, we get some like some mass murder later on, yes. but because again, we need to show the atrocities, the true atrocities of the British Empire. Um, but I oh. What I was about to say before, it is also really funny with that the, again, the broad movie, but that the prime motivation and principle of this whole film is that children are sacred and should be protected. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, I don't know that would play in America. <laughs> I mean, right? it, it'll play. People just won't 
on the theoretical level, yeah, but people not in the won't real internalize level. those lessons, right? I'm not gonna lie though, that little girl was kind of annoying though. Like, I'm she like, was girl, a he's dummy. Trying. Yeah, he's he's trying. You can't make fucking noise right now. Like, help a brother out. Uh, he's yeah. trying to save you. This is what. This is where it's very clear. This was written by men. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, just because all of the characters who are women, including the little girl, are just like. Rrr. <laughs> like utterly useless yes yes like i don't they're just devices you know <laughs> to get oh yeah the, oh i do also like how all the women in this are like like very obviously like eight shades lighter than everybody else in oh. this movie yeah I, I i was about to say when i was watching it, i was like yes you can see the colorism at play uh, anyway um huh Right. You, so, you talked about the first third and the middle. Right. Two. So the first half of the film ends with Rama defeating Beam and arresting him in the name of the crown. And then we're, we're end with, oh, no, what's going to happen with this amazing friendship? Is the bromance over? And then cut to the interval, which <laughs> at the Alamo Draft House, we actually got a like a 10 minute intermission to, you know, go do our business. Yeah, I I mean I peed at least twice during the movie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I uh, since I had already started watching the film at home, I knew just where the um, main titles were going to be, so I made sure to pee right before that and ordered my food <laughs> around that time. Um, and then I definitely went during uh, the interval, I think. Um, and also, you know, you really can't miss much. <laughs> and then, so we open the second half with, like just said a prequel to fully flesh out the character of Rama as someone who is only reluctantly serving the crown. He is serving the crown with a purpose. (laughs) He has a tragic backstory. He's trying to infiltrate it to get a stash of weapons to arm his people as revenge for the death and massacre of his family. This happens in the middle of the movie, guys. I was just like, who are these young kids? <laughs> I was like so confused. I was like, wait, what? Like, where are we? And then like, so and I'm, I'm sure things are getting lost in translation. Like, you know, like everyone is calling each other uncle. Like everyone is calling each other Baba. And that's, I was like, I didn't realize like that was his actual dad at first. Because yeah. everyone was calling him Baba as like a sign yeah. of respect. And I didn't know that the guy was like his uncle the one who was like helping him, like, was that his real uncle? Did you see his young brother who eats the same way that Beam does with his left hand? That's very sad and very <laughs> sweet. Oh, yeah, but little, you know, spoiler alert: little brother gets shot. Yeah, um, so, so everyone yeah. gets shot, and then you know his dad is like one man gun taking everyone down, and then the dad's trigger finger gets like shot off. So then he has to do it. He has to shoot his dad with the TNT, which we'll come back to later because that comes back. A lot of lot of threads coming back. It's this is great. where we establish that Rama is really really good at shooting. Very good at shooting, guys. Is, is oh, this, yeah, is this film? This film is pro gun, right? Is that the vibe you were getting throughout this film? Uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 just interesting because it's in the context of like revolution, colonial right? violence, right? Yeah. So it's not it's it's a, I think it's also like a he counter story he, to like I think this Western racist idea that like peace and love and Gandhi are like the only quote unquote correct ways to do them. 
and that you know like the asian pe- like the oppressed peoples around the world like willingly were oppressed i'm like no no yeah. we fight back also he's just a sharpshooter in general because we also later see him trade the gun for a bow and arrow um, oh, which is we'll get hot. to the bow and arrow. Yeah, oh we, we'll get to that. And it's hot. <laughs> so hot. Such a great, the outfit. Oh, the right. metaphor and Just, the outfit. Okay. What did you think when we cut into, so we go into part two, like I think six months have passed. And yes. um, so wait, wait, I'm getting my movies mixed up. So yes. the first half of part two is him struggling between following his revolutionary mission as an undercover super cop and his friendship with Beam, right? And it ends with him rescuing Beam from his execution, but getting captured himself, which is very sweet. Um, I really felt for him because I was like, man, you try to be the good guy, but it's hard It's hard to be undercover, man. I also think it's, it's really funny because it's like, okay, like I really related to this. As anyone who does like any kind of advocacy work, and again, I can't believe I'm relating this like to <laughs> RRR, but like it's true. Like anyone who spends a solid amount of time doing true advocacy work you're gonna have to make compromises like that's really the way like it's very hard to get things done with like a purely idealistic like wait right like eventually you have to make a compromise you make one here one there and then like at a certain point you've made so many you have to think like am i still doing what i set out to do and is it worth it is the ultimate goal worth it if i have to hurt the people i'm trying to help along the way um which i'm like oh boo like i get you um, so which is very startling to be asked in a RRR movie uh, with tigers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like that's kind of the magic of this film, right? There is some very deep kernels and questions in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the ultimate scene of that conflict is him, you know, still being undercover with the British, having to whip his friend. And then having to whip his friend with a nail-studded whip. And then while his friend is, like, singing. Songs of freedom. Songs of freedom. And so you're just like, what the? Oh, my God. It was. But he did not bleed enough. No, he didn't bleed enough. He didn't kneel. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, there's there's just a lot going on. But it's also, like, I'm glad in a way that they could pull it back enough so it's not horrible tragedy porn even though this message is still there you like you clearly still connect with it like i i in a way that like i think a lot of gore would not have worked i think the gore would have just like put me off more i mean you, know? you connect then, with it because the message is right there on the sleeve like again no subtlety at all in this entire <laughs> no film subtlety. who needs subtlety though <laughs> but it's also accessible is what I'm saying. It's yeah. like people are going to watch this film over another one that's like tragedy porn. So Right. So then Rama gets captured by the British and is imprisoned <laughs> for six months. And we go back to him afterwards. And just let me know. Tell me what your reaction was seeing <laughs> prison Rama in his full like head of okay, hair. Okay. <laughs> okay. Number one. Number one. We have to talk in depth at some point about the costuming of this movie, please. <laughs> because at a certain point, he, they just put him in a Gap t-shirt. Like, he's in a V-neck. He's in a white V-neck. And then I think that's his prison outfit. He's, like, in this dirty white V-neck. And then, you know, they make this big deal about, like, we've been he's in isolation for, like, months. Like, he's starving. Then, yeah, he's, like, in terrible. Like, he's in a worse condition than all these prisoners. He's in a worse cell than all these prisoners. And then you cut to him, like, man is still swole. 
beard is like grown out, hair is grown out, but still looks good. He's a little dirty, but like in a hot way. I'm like, he's and he's fucking doing pull ups. I'm like, yes, this man is obviously starving. He's doing Chekhov's pull ups because those pull ups will come back in a glorious way in a few minutes. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, but then, you know what? Then I took a beat and then I reflected upon myself and I was like, we are like two hours in this movie to have expected <laughs> anything different. That's on me. Yeah, that is exactly. on me. Absolutely. What did I expect? That they was going to be like bare-raggled and like skinny? Yeah. No. no. This isn't that movie. This is it's a movie about movie. superhero revolutionaries. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, it, it's le- about to lead into the part where I just was actually like right. cry laughing. So the climax of this film is like a big sequence that begins with Beam deciding to break Rama out of prison. Because he learns the truth about his tragic past and what he did. Because we totally missed the part where um, Beam thinks that Rama is shooting at the little girl, but is actually protecting. We missed that whole escape sequence. <laughs> we talked about like saving We kind of talked about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. We just, you know, we don't need to. There was a misunderstanding. Let's just put it there. There's a misunderstanding. As in all good romances, there's a misunderstanding. (laughs) Right. This is essentially the breakup sequence is when. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When when Rama sacrifices his own happiness for his friend's freedom. Oh, so good. Yes. But the final act is really where we crank that up to. A movie that has cranked was has been cranked up to right. eleven. We crank it up even more. You yeah. thought beam jumping out with lions and tigers was the most craziest thing you'll see in this film? No, not even close. Um, but I do want to point out it starts off with beam infiltrating this British colonial base in the darkness of night, but wearing all white. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean that was important for his purity of intent i guess you gotta look uh, fresh when you when you bring down the the co- yeah. colonial masters marvin <laughs> and and him needing to save rama is important because rama's not just been taken out of his regular cell but he's been put in the ground in solitary confinement and they uh they beat up his legs so his, his right. legs are like yeah so, so being has to carry him on his shoulders um and who knew this would be oh, the is second? Is that why he has to be? I told, I told. <laughs> but you know what? Luckily, he's been doing pull-ups. So uh... yeah, I'm sorry. And oh. who who knew that we would have our second very dramatic scene of someone carrying someone else on the shoulders after everything ever all at once during the scene where Michelle Yeoh carries Harry Sam Jr. on her shoulders to try to rescue Rakakuni. Rakakuni. Um, yes. So so in this way, we have Beam with Rama on his shoulders. They're kind of doing like almost like human centipedes, but without the grossness. And um, and they are kicking ass as they <laughs> yeah. escape this prison. So Beam is basically the legs of this, you know, the situation. And Rama, because been, he's been doing all the pull ups, you know, he's the arms. And so they're just a very tall one guy. Like they're two men. <laughs> But as one, there are two men with four arms, which seems less efficient than just having two guys. But now that I realize that his legs are injured, that makes so much more sense. I was like, I was like, this is not more beneficial than having two guys on the ground, like like kicking ass. And I want to sit there during the writing session during the scene. Okay, and then Rama shoots two guys, and then Beam reloads for him, so Rama doesn't hold on to both guns. 
And then yeah. they keep running. He's basically cowboying with a gun in each hand. Um, he shoots it up. Two bolt action the, rifles. Right? Yeah, he puts the gun down and then beam like uh, cocks it for him. And so now he's reloaded. And I was just like, that is when I actually started crying. Yeah, because I don't think that's how these guns work. <laughs> no, no. I don't know much about guns, but everything has, you know, been uh, to this point. Be like, you got to load it. You got to like brace it. You got to. And he's just like firing left and right. <laughs> It's this also required like there's like the two person parkour thing going on. Right. Um, They're like climbing a tower. And this is where Chekhov's pull ups come up because um, they need to reach the top. And the only way to reach the top is with Rama pulling both of them up with the strength of his upper arms and then flipping (laughs) over this giant tower. It was so good because it's believable because Rama has been doing pull ups in this. Right. Right. He's swole. And um what I liked about that is, you know, right as soon as he jumped on his shoulders, by the way, um, you see him wince just a little bit because to show that his legs are hurting. <laughs> um, oh. this, anyway, this does oh not explain God. what happens next. <laughs> yeah, which brings us to um, the forced battle scene where the governor is now sending everyone to attack them, uh, including the special forces being um I guess heals Rama's legs with magical herbs, and then Rama sure. decides to um, become the god of war. Apparently, so like I, I'm trying to remember where they got the red fabric because that was that was shown in a scene right before. Was it like flags? What was it? I, what, don't what, I forgot what it. Yeah. But anyway, he makes them into pants, <laughs> and then uh, right. he takes the bow and arrow from the statue of the hero who has. Real bow and arrow for some reason. Um, and since he is a marksman who can apparently relay his skills as a, uh, as with guns to a bow and arrow, he's um, just good at shooting. And yeah, he's he just saved good at shooting. Beam from the special forces British army by shooting arrows in their faces. And this, and it's also a metaphor about going back to your roots mm-hmm. to beat your oppressors. Great, great movie. There, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, and you you knew it was on when his theme song came back on. His theme song came back on. He, there's fire. There's fire for some reason. Uh, he's shooting arrows. He's also jumping in the forest. So there's a lot of good poses. Um, we eventually do get the motorcycle and horse scene again <laughs> somehow. There's this um, video game series called Yakuza that I've talked about before, where you play as like an over the top guy who fights with uh, whatever he finds around him. And some of his moves literally involve him picking up a motorcycle and slamming it into people. And they did that in this film. Beam picked up a motorcycle, swung it around, like did like a sign dancing move and like destroyed a bunch of British soldiers with that motorcycle. Also, was that, was the motorcycle the thing that had all the TNT that? They shoot it into the building that yeah. has the store of explosives no. that makes it go boom, boom. No, you're thinking of someone dropped some grenades where Rama picks them up and then oh, shoots I'm them. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. How could I make that mistake? Yeah, he, he attaches the grenades to the end of his arrow, so he's now able to shoot the grenades. Um, yes, because that is how grenades fire, work. Fire them. You yeah, know, fire the grenades. Again, Jess, you're trying to apply too much logic to this really awesome action scene. No, I had a good time. Look, look. <laughs> Like Rama was our like I love a clean cut man. I love a suit. I I like a slick back look. Rama 
the actor who plays Rommel is like fucking beautiful the yeah. entire movie, even mm-hmm. when he's like starving, quote unquote, starving in the cell and all dirty and fucked up. Um, when he's like hair down, like L'Oreal commercial, like wind blowing hair with his chest out and like in that fucking shooting arrows i was like i know what love is yeah that this movie was just like i don't know how many different ways you can make this guy like appeal to me but it's working every single time even when he has the whole fascist mustache you know i I even like the fascist mustache and i'm just like i know you're the bad guy right now but like yes i was so confused the tragic backstory i was like i'm for it and who knew you could do so many things with a stick right and so the final battle is just these two superpowered revolutionaries just taking on the entire British, I guess, garrison and, and ends with a really amazing kill shot that splashes blood all over a sign that says the sun never sets on the on British, the British Empire. Empire. <laughs> mm. that's, that's art. Mint. That's art, right? That's, that's art. That is art. Like, again, like anytime you're going to rag on the British Empire, it's just... Ten stars from me. <laughs> I was, I'm just laughing, just remembering <laughs> like that moment because I was like, "Oh, they went there." Oh, our theater um, clapped. We we yes. applauded. Yeah, we applauded many times, and including in that moment. Um, <laughs> I also love the very cheesy line at the end when everything's done, and it's like, "Oh, great! Can you teach me how to read now?" Um, because and then the other guy's like, "Thanks for teaching me how to use use this bow and arrow." <laughs> Maybe there's like some historical like thing about the real person about something, but like again, have no knowledge of this coming in. Like the fact that that's just an important point to bring up at the end of this mega mess movie, where his inability to read has not hindered him at all. There's not one scene where it's like, oh, I would have solved this if I could read. It's just they're bros oh and they're God. very complementary skills. And so um, because Beam, of course, he doesn't have the, the skill of like aim, but he has the uh, the um, strength. So he's like the ox. And so we saw him like when he spun around the motorcycle and whatever. So and we also saw earlier that um, that Rama is surrounded by books. Like he just keeps reading I mean, all these books. Beam so. is definitely like. <laughs> the himbo of this relationship right yeah it, it i did have to say like it was slightly uncomfortable for me when he was like flirting with the white lady and she would just talk to him but he wouldn't understand anything they made they got in a few good jokes in there though um but, but in the end he yeah. got to hug her <laughs> he doesn't need that in his life he doesn't need that he, he can, in his life he can get some other lady way better than her but you know whatever they they had a token so she was the token all right. Um, anyway, yeah. All right. I hope you've enjoyed our recitation. Yeah. Of the plot. Sorry, sorry. There's so many things we missed, you guys. We yes. Missed, we just, missed just keep so watching it. Things. Just watch it. I mean, I did warn this was a spoiler cast, so you, yeah. people knew what they were getting into. If I mean, most of you should just turn this off right at the beginning. Just watch this damn thing. Come back. Uh, mm-hmm. If not, you know what? Now you know what you're to expect going in, and it's still going to be awesome. So yeah, not yeah. a bad deal. Okay. Final verdict is RRR good pop. Absolutely. More of this. I hope 
like Americans can also like take their blockbusters a little less seriously. Um, you know, a I little mean, less literally. A that was oh, pretty Top Gun ridiculous. took itself a hundred percent seriously, really? Marvin. Oh yes, a hundred percent. You think Tom Cruise is self-aware? No. Um, it was it was great. Um, I you know, and I think this movie's gonna do ultimately what all good movies should do is like I'm gonna go read about the real people and see what they were all about and see what what, what creative liberties <laughs> this filmmaker d- took. I'm gonna be like, oh, you mean this activist didn't kidnap a bunch of tigers? Wow. Yeah, I feel like so. I'll go next because I have something to say to that, which is, um, yes, this is good pop. It was a great time. I've yet to see anyone say they did not have a good time watching this film. And if you do have a bad time, it's probably because you're no fun. But um, (laughs) apparently this film is just one big fanfic because these two guys never met each other in real life. They were not actually bros. So basically the whole setup of this film is the director saying, what if these two guys who were revolutionaries during the colonial period met each other and were best friends. I love it. I think we need more historical fanfic. Yeah. Um, I I definitely think this is great. I think it is art house cinema. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's just a good time. And this kind of still is completing the streak of my favorite films being Asian this year, you know? Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I really enjoyed Fire Island. And I feel like RRR is another one. Like, if all of these films are the ones that I'm telling people to go watch, um, then I count those as some of my favorites. Yeah, definitely a ton of fun. I'm glad to have been able to watch it in a theater. Sad that, Jess, you weren't there with us. You would have so much fun. You guys ready for down for round two? (laughs) I, I, I'm considering it. Like I'm trying to see. I I almost wish like some there was a sequel or something that we could go and a sequel. I well, mean, the prequel wasn't in. I'm I mean, go, his other I'm gonna, his his other films are on Netflix too, right? Yeah, I'm I'm actually going to check out Bao Bali, like the beginning. The um that's the that's part one, and then um and then watch part two at some point. But yeah, like it, that's another two hours and thirty seven minutes. So. Man. <laughs> This is what we were missing. This is what I was missing by not uh, engaging with South, South Asian cinema for so long. I mean, this is worth it. <laughs> this one is worth checking it out. And then maybe it's a gateway. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. If people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes are on Twitter at Just You Tweets. And I am at Hanonymous. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Uh, check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. All right, we'll be back next week. But until then, um, we'll see you next time. Bye, Bye. Bye. I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Bowl Book, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Minjin Lee, 
Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Potion by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. 